0: Welcome to the Be a Disciple, Make a Disciple Podcast. This is episode number five. Please go ahead and check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and at www.bedisciplespodcast.com. We are excited today to have our next special guest, and that is going to be Dr. Jim Baugh, Pastor Jim Baugh. Uh, we could probably have a bunch of titles if we wanted to. Um yeah. <laughs> and so uh we're we're excited to really speak about discipleship um, from from, uh, Pastor Jim's experience, from being a pastor, to a missionary, to training pastors, to all sorts of roles in ministry, um, and what that looks like, uh, and just learn from his experience. So welcome, Jim. Hey,
1: thank you. Thank you, Kyle and Dakota. It's good to be with you from um, beautiful Arizona. (laughs) Yes, Arizona. Dakota, Did you
2: hear that? He's throwing the warm temperature in my face. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like seventy. It's really nice, like seventy-seven, and uh, the dogs
2: are barking,
1: the fish <laughs> are swimming,
2: are, are biting.
1: Yes, yeah, I'd <laughs> like if they were biting, and then the birds are flying. So it's it's muy bonita dia aqui. I'm also learning Spanish, so yeah.
2: Hey, dios te bendiga. Si
1: yeah. Se puede. That's
2: <laughs> Those are the only two lines I know. We're going to embarrass ourselves with our
0: Spanish.
1: Su abuela es muy, no, su esposa es muy bonita. Your wife very pretty. There you go.
2: You know, Jim, that reminds me. There was a time uh, years ago where Kyle and I went on a mission trip to Vienna, Austria with the church, and I thought I was speaking Spanish to this girl on the train, but I ended up Uh, No, I thought I was speaking German and I ended up speaking Spanish and I ended up using the word zapatos. And she looked at me like, what? (laughs) And I was like, Dakota, why are you speaking to her in Spanish? (laughs) We're in Austria. Dakota's like, I'm waiting for the tongues to kick in. (laughs) I'm not there yet. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I, I, um. I'd like to share a little bit about our ministry with global training network as well as, you know, how discipleship weaves into that ministry. Does that sound like a good track?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, what the first question we normally ask people is who discipled you. Um, so if you could just kind of talk about, you know, who discipled you first and then get yeah. into global training network and how discipleship is weaved into that.
1: Well, that's a great question. Um, I have, you know, I have, Christian parents, my dad went home to be with the Lord uh 12 years ago. And uh they led me to Christ and I mean, share the gospel with me. Um, mom would mentor in just praying for me. I mean, she had a um a, an incredible way. I call it the truth serum. And uh she would she would pray for me as she tickled my back as a little kid wow at night and she would ask me about my day you know she'd be tickling my back yeah and uh so i heard that you might have gotten into a fight with somebody i'm like oh the truth serum's working you know and i'd be <laughs> and i'd be uh you know downloading all my my stuff and she talked <laughs> talked told me a lot about god's grace um Amen. yeah one day i, I was uh, my grandfather smoked and so i I wanted to be a smoker. I told my, my mom that I wanted to be a preacher, you know, the guys called me to preach, but, uh, she saw me and I picked up a cigarette butt on the street and I was trying to light that baby. You know, I'm like eight years old. And, uh, she walks around the corner of the building. I mean, it's like God puts these special antennas on your mother, you know?
2: Uh-huh. And,
1: and I, I'm looking, I'm like, Oh my, what, how, you know? And she goes, Jim, Jimmy, what are you doing? And I, I, I threw it down. I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry Bob. Uh, <laughs> And she, said, she goes. I thought you were going to be a preacher, and I said, I am. I'm going to be a smoking preacher. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she she took me in the house. She said, you know, is is what you did today. Uh, it's not so much that you you smoked. She goes, I I'm not happy about that, but that you tried to do it behind my back. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, really. And w- what does God call that, Jimmy? When you when you do things behind you do wrong things behind other people's back. You think that you'll never get caught. And I said, it's sin. You know? And, mm-hmm. and then she said, well, what do we do when we sin? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> trouble, you know, she said, no, we confessed it to God. And she shared with me, you know, first John one, nine right there. And then uh, she knelt with me right by the bed and, and she prayed with me. And I, I asked the Lord, you know, thanked him for his forgiveness. And, so mom taught me, mom discipled me. My dad, when I was 14 years of age, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And um, that really affected my dad. Like, you know, my son, what's, what's happening here? I mean, he, 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 it was a reminder of the brevity of life. And so dad, as a 14-year-old kid, for me, he, he came into my, my bedroom every night and read the scripture with me and uh, prayed with me. And so that was the foundation. Um, It was that same around that same time that I recommitted my life to Christ at a Billy Graham crusade. And it's you. And uh, I, I became a Christian when I was a a boy, but I, I think that every, every student, every teen, if they're raised, they're like lifers, you know, it comes to a place in their life where they're 12, 13, 14, 15 years of age, where they say, I need to make a decision. Am I, am I going to live this faith that I claim I have, or is it just something that I've inherited? And, um, as a 14 year old, you know, I heard Billy Graham, uh, preach a message. And, and I just, I I brought my buddy with me and he said, Jimmy, will you go with me? I want to, I want to receive the Lord. And he's crying. And I said, yeah, Danny, I'll go with you. And we're both walking down the ASU stadium and that song, just as I am, without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. And I just, I just felt like, you know, I, I need to really get my heart and in life, right with the Lord. And so I recommitted my life to Christ. And then it was Billy Graham's uh, organization that had something that the navs put out called Beginning with Christ. And so it was a four-week initial discipleship that I did, and I'd send it in, and people would. Send stuff back, and then I had a youth pastor who um, really discipled me. And then, as when I got into college, uh, a guy who was starting a air conditioning business, and he's he disciples me today. Uh, and his name is Doug Insley, and and I would go over to his fledgling air conditioning business, and uh, he would confront me every time I come over. It's like, okay, where are you reading in the Word, Ba? And what's <laughs> to speaking, to you Ba? And what are you going to do about the, the truth you've been learning? Bah, you know, so he, he enfolded me as a part of, of that discipleship center. They called it Tick Lodge. That's a T-I-C-K. And, uh, and so on Friday nights, they would have Bible studies and I'd go out there, I'd hang out. And, and so that was a real point of discipleship. So along the way, uh, that process of discipleship doesn't stop. I mean, in, at, southwestern ACU I had professors who discipled me and going to the seminary I had a professor who said I want to disciple you I want to mentor you and that's something that you know if you graduate from cemetery uh, could I say <laughs> and actually seminary is a great place for discipleship but um it guys who graduate you know with a bible college degree or seminary degree they go i have already been discipled no you, I mean it never ends. And it's it's involved with walking with other men who love the Lord Jesus and can um, encourage you because discipleship is, you know, we talk a lot about accountability, but um, accountability can get legalistic. And if, if it doesn't have that heartbeat of encouragement, um, it just becomes like, you know, I mean, the biggest thing is uh, you know, did you look at porn this week? I mean, and is that really i mean it's it's a huge issue that guys deal with, but that's not our foundational passion is just you know to be quote unquote have that 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 lifestyle taken care of It's our intimate walk with Jesus right the positive out, yeah, and out right. of that it's a passion to keep our eyes from those things which destroy our hearts to love our wives the way Jesus loves us. So, um, it's really discipleship in my mind is, a, is a call to intimacy with Christ. And, um, like I said, I still am in a discipling relationship today.
2: Amen. Amen. So
1: it, it never ends.
2: Jim, was there ever a point in the process where here you are, you know, your mom led you to the Lord your dad began discipling you. You had the event at the Billy, Billy Graham Crusade, and then you know you mentioned being discipled by uh, multiple mentors. But was there a point when you yourself realized, "Oh, it's my turn to invest"? And when did you start, for la- for lack of a better way to say it, prioritizing making disciples and investing in others? What was there a certain point yeah. where you started to learn how to do that?
1: Well, it's. I think discipleship is always reciprocal. I mean, you can be, you can be a brook or you can be a reservoir, you know, and and reservoirs actually, they have to have some kind of an outlet or they turn into a swamp. So um, Brooks, Brooks have like living water. I'm right down from here is, is um, a Creek, you know, and it's running and it has, it, it has water coming in. It has water going out. So Whenever I was discipleship, and as I was discipled, God gave me opportunities to to step into roles of leadership. And so you have, I mean, discipleship has a product, right? It it not only is um, skills of the head, which would be theological truth. It's skills of the hands, which would be skill sets like, how do I study the Bible? How do I share my faith? how do i pray and that's where organizations like crusade navigators and so forth have really focused on those skill sets um but there's also issues of skills of the heart and you know i mean you can you can be awesome at memorizing scripture and have a heart as black as stone you know there's a true story about a kid who was i think he was in the Iwana program not at our church but somewhere i heard the story and uh He was asked by the youth pastor, because he was such a good scripture memorizer, if he would take care of the youth offering, you know, on Sunday and uh, take it to the office and make sure it was safe and stuff. Kid goes, yeah. And so as weeks go on, they find out that this kid's charging a handling fee, you know, (laughs) and uh, he's he's. He's like I don't know, he's like throwing the cash up in the air and going, Okay, God, whatever you want, you keep and whatever comes down is mine. But, <laughs> Gleaning. But, yeah. So he's he's taking money uh, from the offering and, and when he's confronted by the youth pastor, um, youth pastor goes, Man, what are are you stealing, you know, from the offering? Kid goes, Yeah, I, I've taken some money. I've had some needs. And the youth pastor said, Why would you do that? You know, you you are the best. Um, memorizer of scripture that I've ever seen in my life. And the kid goes, yeah, well, what's that got to do with anything, you know? And so, yeah, so it's not only skills of the heart, uh, skills of the head and skills of the hand. Um, all of those work together to produce uh, discipleship that is obedient, obedience orientation. Um, you've got the truth. What are you going to do with it? How does that affect your life? And in turn, how can you train um, someone else with the truths that God has taught you? So learners are always leaders. Leaders are always learners. And if somebody says, you know, I've been to seminary. I don't, geez, I got straight A's and blah, blah, blah. um, They'll never be able to lead because they don't have that attitude of humility and servanthood that says, I may have a seminary degree, or I may have a, you know, gone through the nav program or whatever. I still have to be learning, and I still have to submit myself to others to help me grow in my faith. It never ends. Amen. Right? Amen.
0: Amen. I yeah, I know. We talked about in the last few weeks. I mean, we've really been talking about, you know, just the discipleship piece. We've talked with. Uh, we had our our first guest was Tim Reed from Arizona Christian University. And, and when Dakota and I were there just talking about how when we got there, you know, we didn't look at Tim Reed at first as like this super intellectual Bible teacher. You know, we had all of our theology professors and all these things that we we're interested in. And then you get into real life and you realize Tim Reed was the smartest one. He was teaching practical discipleship to us and the stuff we needed to know when we got into ministry, the stuff that we really needed to pay attention to in practice and practice. And it, and it became such an important
1: role in our lives. And Tim, Tim modeled, and he continues to model that with a heart of compassion and love. You know, yeah. um, I've, seen, I've seen models of discipleship that are militaristic. Yeah. And, and weak people respond to that. Um, they're like little lemmings, you know, little robots. I don't respond to that kind of stuff. I, I say, you know, spin on this, you know, I mean, but, but um, not, I don't mean to be facetious. I I would confront that kind of leadership style. And um, because Jesus was not that way, um, you know, Jesus confronted, right? Um, Jesus uh, encouraged, Jesus comforted. And so i I've really asked the Lord, help me to disciple others just like my Savior did amen and, um, and that you know it it's not militaristic it's uh it's encouragement, and also there's accountability there too, but it's it's encouraging
2: you know the the metaphor or rather the illustration that continues to stick out to me about discipleship is just the simple phrase that we are people in process the idea that as as a christian really what matters is what direction my heart is facing you know if you get into legalistic discipleship that's like saying hey i have this expectation that you be at the finish line like today like like now as opposed to there being a grace and a scaffolding and an encouragement that would slowly pick you up every time you fall and just keep pointing you in the right direction hoping that you you keep on going keep on trucking you know
1: now, that's a good model Dakota. I, I call it this way. So I'm looking for direction, not perfection. Yeah. You know, that's so, good. Um, we, if you think about the metaphor of a, of a baby, I mean, Kyle, you just have a little, what'd you have a little girl or boy, boy, little boy,
2: little boy, and little
1: He's going to be just as gorgeous as Kyle is. <laughs> Hopefully not takes after my <laughs> wife. That would be great. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Kyle, you know that you can't have an expectation of an eighteen year old boy with your little you know newly born boy mm-hmm. um, there's grace there's there's time there's encouragement there's edification I mean, if you scream at that little guy, you know I mean what kind of relationship are you going to have with him and And so you know, I always think about um one of the marks of discipleship is the ability is self-feed. All right. And we teach our disciples how to spend time in the word on a regular basis. I mean, I use the soap method, which is just an acrostic for scripture observation slash interpretation um, and then application and prayer. But um, if I expected my, you know, six year old or six month old son, Josh, and he's now, how old is Josh? I think he's 32. I uh, just had his second little baby. But uh, I'll never forget feeding him as a little kid. And, you know, I'd take the spoon. Uh, hey, Josh. You know, and Josh <laughs> That's what we're would, doing right now. <laughs> yeah. And Josh would, he'd go, hi, he'd laugh, you know. And then and then I'd, I'd get the food near him and then take another Zoom. And he'd be like, ah. and uh, And then finally it was the landing. Boom, you know and Josh love it. And it, I do that in a restaurant, people go, "Oh, he's so cute." You know, I say, "Yeah, thank you." Well, what would happen if he was 17 years old in a restaurant and I was still doing that? It wouldn't be so cute anymore, would it? And so that's where that sense of accountability and and pardon my French, but just kicking butt and saying, "Hey, look, it's time to step up, man." You know, uh, you're going to either follow Jesus. You're not going to follow Jesus. I mean, I know you're going through tough times and all this kind of stuff, but but that's kind of what Jesus did too, right? He said, "Look, follow me, and I'll make you from fishers of men." And, and some guys didn't. I mean, Jesus had a seven percent failure rate in his discipleship process because Judas went to the place of his own choosing. That's what Acts chapter two says. And so, was that Jesus's fault? No. I mean, Ju- Judas made the choice, but. Again, um, we we have to have a proper expectation for where someone's at in their faith. Yes, and and be able to move them forward to an intended purpose or 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 um, I guess I would say product. I hate to say product, but an intended goal, and that is Christ likeness, right? That's Romans 8 28 29. Um, with all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are call according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew these also were predestined, justified, glorified that we might be made or become conformed to the image of his son so so that 's really the goal I think of discipleship is that we become more like Jesus, and when does that stop well, when I see
2: jesus yeah that 's the finish line so,
1: yeah that 's the finish line, and we have to be gracious and loving and compassionate yeah and as Jesus told you know Peter how many times do you forgive
2: yeah seventy times seven absolutely
1: yeah. so yeah. you know it's it's uh I I don't I mean I got off a little bit of track but I don't respond really well to militaristic um, discipleship because I, I think it's um, you know a great proponent or process in discipleship is relationship. Yeah. It's truth within the context of relationship. Amen. And and you have to have both for disciples to be made.
2: Amen. You know, uh Jim naturally, you know in this conversation, you know we've talked about your story and we've talked about um you know just the I guess the practical outworkings or or what making a disciple looks like. And then maybe the listeners would expect us to jump to GTN, but actually, Phil Led, just for a brief tangent, what would you say, what would you encourage parents? If there's parents out there who are listening to our show, you know, what would you want to say to them right now? Anything additional to encourage them in just discipling their children before we get to GTN?
1: Yeah, well, um, I call it the big five, and the big five are the essentials of, of biblical discipleship. Um, the first aspect of the big five is identity. Um, helping if, you know, I've got a son or a daughter who, I mean, first step is leading them to Jesus, right? Sharing the gospel with them. <clears throat> Don't just assume, um, you know, Hey, they're raised in a Christian home. They're Christians. I mean, God has no grandchildren. He only has children. Do you need to lead your kids to Christ? Absolutely. Um, There has to be a a point in time in their life where they understand that they've sinned against the Holy God, that Jesus paid the penalty, and that they can put their trust in him as Savior and Lord, and they can be saved. Um, So then, I mean, that's initial discipleship, but um, I believe that evangelism is strongly linked with discipleship. Um, I mean... I think that discipleship begins and evangelism continues, right? It's a part of the process. Anyways, so the big five. Number one is identity. Who am I in Christ? And helping my son or my daughter understand their God-given identity as a uh, child of a living God. You know, we have identity disruptions in our culture. All over. Young people don't know who they are. They don't know whose they are. Yeah. They don't know their gender. They don't know this. They don't, because we live in a culture that says, you know, I'll let my kid, you know, decide that on their own. No, it's the parent's responsibility to help them. That's like saying, I'm going to have a garden, but I'm not going to do anything to it. I'm just going to let whatever grows, grow, you know? so got to I mean, train them up. Yeah, Samuel Coleridge once was talking to an individual, Samuel Coleridge is an English writer, an individual about the need to raise up children and, and mentor them and disciples them. And the guy says, yeah, I believe in that. I I think that, you know, kids, kids just, you know, let them learn, create, be on their own and so forth. And uh, so they had this discussion and he says, well, I got to go, my friend. And Samuel says, well, let me show you my garden first, before you leave. And he takes him to a field and the field is just full of weeds. It's full of trash. It's full of garbage. And the guy says, this isn't a garden. You just let this field, you know, do whatever it w- you want it to do. And he says, exactly, my friend. And, and what you're talking about in raising your children is not parenting. Right. And What a great word picture. Well, anyways, so identity, helping our children understand their God-given identity. And if people say, I don't know. You know, I think identity issues is huge for every Christian, and if you need some help in identity, just go to Ephesians chapter one and chapter two and understand what God has done for us as children of the living God. I mean, it's amazing. It is. It blows your spiritual mind to understand what God has done for us in Christ before the foundation of the world. The second is um, is teaching our kids how to be self feeders. And helping them with, uh, w- you know, modeling them. How do I get spend time in the Word? Um, and of course, you know, as kids get older, they'll have more, you know, more responsibility, right? Or more essential privilege and responsibility. I sound like Spider Man's uncle, right there. <laughs> <laughs> great, great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> That's it right there, yeah. Great power. So, so, but you know, I remember my kids and even my grandkids. Um, as they got into like 12, 13 years of age, I want to help them um, develop those habits of self-feeding. To read the scripture, study the scripture, um, and so so they can they can self-feed, and they can also read the scripture and discern if they're getting taught garbage. Right. Uh, the next is prayer, and how to talk with God, and spend time in communion with God because I don't want my kids to have a, you know, just have a second generation faith. I want them to have first generation faith and develop intimacy with the Lord. And so we model that. Um, That's what my mom did. She modeled prayer to me. My dad modeled the importance of reading the word and praying. Um, And so, you know, helping them learn to have and develop a communion with God. The, The fourth of the big five is my story Um, and helping them understand. We call it a testimony, you know, but um, or or call it God's story in my life. And that is understanding, you know, be able to communicate with other people um, some of the wonderful things that God has done and is doing in our lives as a family, but also in my life as an individual. You know, what has God been doing? And so when they have friends at school that say, wow, you know, my family is blah, blah, blah. And my dad's out of work and so forth and so on. And they can say, wow, I that happened to me or something like that happened to me. And this is how God, you know, that's a God story, right? Yeah. And this is how I met Jesus. That's a God story. And this is how God answered my prayer. That's another God story. It moves it out of the ethereal into a very practical experience with God. And then the, fi- the final thing, the final of the big five is my mission, my mission. And this is true for every disciple we're trying to make is, you know, Dakota, I had those talks with you. Yeah. What is Jesus telling you to do?
2: Right. Yeah.
1: What is God speaking to your heart about Many what of do them. You know God's call on your heart? And it wasn't about what I felt. I mean I confirm it or whatever but but that that big question I mean Paul said it this one thing I do right and it doesn't necessarily have to be full time ministry it's it's being that man or that woman of God doing what God has called you to do and my my son we've had numerous wonderful talks and when he was about 16 you know he said dad I think God wants me to go into the ministry. And I said, Josh, if that's what God's calling you to do, that's wonderful. I said, but here's one thing. I, I don't want you to consider going to the ministry if you think it will please me. Yeah. right?
2: That's great. Because mm-hmm.
1: I want you to be where God wants you to be. Mm-hmm. And so that was the big thing. And it released him. It set him free to uh, utilize his gifts, his talents, his abilities to hear the voice of God, and continue to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So those are the big five, right? They are identity, self-feeding, prayer, my story or God's story in me, and then mission. What is God calling me to do? And I think if the big five are kept like on the dashboard of our soul, so to speak, that will help us and guide us in our process of making disciples.
2: Amen. Amen. You know, Does that make sense? Absolutely. And Josh, by the way, is 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 thriving. You know, he's got a beautiful wife and and children, and just doing great. He's a great friend of ours. We we've got many stories snowboarding and skiing with him, and yeah. just a dear friend.
1: <laughs> he, he is. Uh, he is. Well, I get emotional. But I may get emotional talking about all my kids because, um, and Terry, nice. And you know, Terry's had a great influence as a godly mom. And uh I'm just so thankful for every one of them and the testimony of grace and love they have for Jesus and his will. So um if we can disciple our kids, uh we can win the world, man. You know
2: Amen. Amen. So. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so
0: we've definitely hit on all kinds of discipleship from uh you being discipled to discipling others and your family. Uh and and again in Matthew chapter twenty-eight it says go and make disciples of all nations um, right. so let's let's jump into Global Training Network and what you do there um, and how and how you make disciples of all nations not just here in the United States but all over the world.
1: Well thanks for that. Um, yeah Global Training Network is a ministry that exists to train and equip indigenous pastors around the world so they in turn, can um, equip, encourage, and reach their own people with the gospel of Christ. When, you know, when mission strategists have, you know, we've had hundreds of years of this, but they're like, how are we going to do it? I've had all these, you know, these people wrote books, you know, 2020, we will reach everybody by 2020 or, you know, all these strategists out there, how I'll tell you how, I get a little dogmatic on this when I get, (laughs) but but how are we going to do what Jesus called us to do? Well, I tell you how we do it. We do it the way he told us to do it. (laughs) Yep. And and in fact, he said it, he said it, uh, when he first called his disciples, Matthew Mm -hmm. chapter four, he says, Hey, Peter, follow me and I will make you to become what fishers of men. And the Bible says immediately Peter left the boats. Now, did Peter go back to fishing? Yeah, he stumbled. He, he tripped and all this kind of stuff. But the ultimate goal was fulfilled, you know. And Matthew chapter 4 and then Matthew 28, when Jesus is leaving, he says, go into all the world and make disciples. The word there is ethne and every ethnic group and and make disciples, right? So we had that that. The three M's that Mesa, you guys remember, make, mature, uh, mature, and multiply. multiply. You guys yep, remember yep. That? So, um, that. I'm still I mean,
2: using it today at my church. It's it's easy to remember. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah, I mean, there's been wind, build, sin, all these different little things. But, but um, when Jesus in those in that passage told us how to how to win the world, then in Acts chapter one verse eight, he gives us the power to do it. He says. You should be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you know, both Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Samaria and on the uttermost. Right. So Jesus tells us three times to do something. And when I go on my trips and I haven't been traveling because of this COVID thing, but and, you know, my kids were at home and so forth. I would tell them, hey, look, I'm leaving. I'm coming back. Right. And I would sit down with them. I'd usually take them out for a hamburger or something. I said, here's the three things I want you to do while I'm gone. All right. And then the the plane hits the uh, runway back in Phoenix. I come home. What's the first thing I'm going to do when I see my kids? I'm going to hug them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to kiss them. And then I'm going to go what?
2: What about those three things? things?
1: Yeah. And they'll be like, "Uh, Dad, okay." (laughs) So um, Jesus told us three times what to do. And then in Second Timothy, Chapter two, the Apostle Paul reiterates it. And what he said, he says, the things you've heard from me, in trust, train faithful people. It's it's not it's men in the translations, but it's actually <clears throat> a non-gender. It's, it's faithful people who will be able to train others. Also, um, we talk about you know all the multi-level marketing things out there, you know Amway and stuff. Well, God is the ultimate multi-level marketer because. There are three levels in, in that passage. Paul's talking to Tim, Tim's, you know, talking to the, the people he's trained, and then the people that he's trained, and then the people he's trained, right? And it goes on and on and on. So that's really the model of Global Training Network, is training and equipping Indigenous leaders who can, in turn, train, equip their own people, who will, in turn, train and equip their own people. It's it's a model of reproduction. and What's uh you know? It doesn't always happen. I have to tell you that. But what's so exciting is when uh, I, we finished a training in Rwanda here last year, and uh, we had the graduation. A brother came up to me, and he said, "Pastor Jim, I'm so excited." I said, "What's going on?" He goes, "I'm going to Uganda next month to train the book in them in the book of Romans wow. and in hermeneutics, just like you taught us." Wow. You know, I'm like, "Okay, Lord, take me. Just hit me." <laughs> yeah airplane go down in the Atlantic. I'm good.
2: You know? <laughs> yes.
1: And because that multiplication is happening and here's, here's the reality of it. Here's the need. Okay. Cause um, you know, we had wonderful uh, men and women who gave everything in the last generation, the last two, three generations to share the gospel, you know, in other parts of the world. I mean, and, and they're, their ministry has produced fruit, continues to produce fruit. The, the thing that's so desperately needed is to train those leaders and to uh, continue to equip them. Um, 85% of pastors in the emerging world, according to statistics of John Stott Ministries, have a grand total of five minutes of theological training.
2: Wow. That's nothing. Okay?
1: That's nothing. So... I mean, think about it. If you went to a brain surgeon and he goes, yeah, it's pretty serious. Or you went to a heart surgeon. Yeah, it's pretty serious. And yeah, well, you're going to do this uh, surgery. And uh, how much training have you had? Uh, you know, five minutes and a little time on YouTube, but we're good. You know, <laughs> and be like, eh. good luck. <laughs> so think about the number of pastors who they know Jesus. Um, some of them don't know Jesus. Some of them just have a nominal sense of faith. But um, and they're involved in this because it's kind of like an honor thing, you know, like being a, a pastor is like a spiritual leader in, in their area of the world. Like you were with us in Chook, you know, remember Dakota?
2: Yeah, and, absolutely.
1: And some of those guys were just nominal. I mean, when when I taught on discipleship and evangelism, um, Bruce, you remember Bruce? I yeah. think you do.
2: He, uh, uh, Dennis?
1: Yeah, Bruce Dennis. He yeah. he, he 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 taught. The evangelism class to a group of pastors in Wino. and he said, I think it was like 30 of them pray to receive Christ, you know, because they had this nominal sense of Christianity. Anyways, um, the need is really great. And so um we have about 150 staff, we're in 82 countries of the world, and uh we train, equip pastors who can, in turn, train, equip, reach their own people. Uh, They know the language, they know the customs, they know the culture, and that's our intent and purpose. And by the way, here's another great statistic. Looking at time here. If, If you train one leader, one leader, there's a reproductive factor of 100 tied to that. Because on average, every leader has a circle of influence around the world. They have a circle of influence of at least 100 people. So if if I came to you and I was an investment guy and I said, hey, um, give me a dollar. And in um, four months, I'll bring 100 bucks back. Would that be a good investment?
2: Well. Depends on what the other option is, but I mean that's pretty good investment. <laughs> that's
1: pretty good investment in four months to turn one dollar into a yeah, hundred.
2: Into hundred, <laughs> and, yep.
1: and think about that in your respective ministries. You know, Kyle working with youth, Dakota as a pastor. If you can reproduce yourself in one or two or three or four key individuals, those four to five key individuals will have. A multiple, multiple, multiplying effect, if I can say that right, um, on at least four to five hundred people. Right. Consider that. And so that's why we think that discipleship is not just an option. Training leadership is not an option. It is what Jesus commanded us to do.
2: Amen. Jim, if there was a an individual in your mind within your ministry, you know, a uh, Uh, a guy specifically that maybe you've been like a Bruce, it doesn't have to be Bruce, but if there's someone in another country that you're just like, man, this guy's story, he came from here to there, or someone similar to the gentleman who is going to Uganda. um, You know, who's, who's another individual for you where you can say, man, we, he started here and now here's what's happening. Like another, another face to a name, so to speak.
1: Yeah. Well, there's multiple guys. I mean, uh, in Rwanda, um, we train on average 25 guys and, uh, it's over a period of two and a half years, you know? So, um, there's, uh, there's an individual named Paul and, and he's, well, I'm still in contact with him. He's reaching, effectively reaching his villages with, uh, the good news. We've got Bruce, you know, Bruce, who, who had that story where he got on a freighter and, and went and hit all the outlying islands around know with the gospel. I've got a young man in, in Ukraine. Yeah. Who I love to um, go to
2: Ukraine, man.
1: It needs to disciple, to mentor, to, um, multiply leaders. They have sent, I think three missionaries out from their body and it, it's not a big one. It's not a big, uh, body of believers, but they're impacting the world. So, you know, I mean, in, in uh, different parts of the world, I would say, you know, there are numerous stories of guys like that. And some of our guys with GTN um, have started these, uh, these t- training quorums, which are pretty exciting. And I'm excited to learn more about that. But um, they have a specific uh, training um, core that after these guys go through this initial level, then they begin training on that initial level and so forth. So uh, it it's taken place all over the world.
2: Well, Yeah, you know, when I think about um, the Great Commission, and we look in Matthew 28, you know, you've heard this statement before, but, you know, so, some would say, you know, well, why can't we just go and do ministry here and, our backyard? You know, why do we have to go to another country? And I say, well, just read the verse all over again. You know, go into all nations. So the idea of the gospel is that it's not just meant to be, you know, within my context, but as you said, multiple ethnicities, multiple tribes, tongues, languages at the throne room of God worshiping him at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. It's, and, you know, in Acts chapter 1 8, I mean, I asked pastors this, you know, what's your missions program? They go, well, you know, our community is our missions program. I said, no, that's your Jerusalem. You know, and and we did that in in Rwanda in developing a missions plan because, and we sent them out, you know, they did evangelism and they came back and 21 people prayed to receive Jesus. And then, you know, we had, we did some stuff on discipleship with them. But um, one guy said, you know, I've never been challenged this way. And I thought, I thought our mission was our church. And he said, I thought our our call was to invite people to come to church and see them come to know Jesus. And I was like, no, your call is to go out and share the gospel and reach them with the good news of Jesus. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I I think that a mission's vision, vision is incomplete if it just involves your Jerusalem. It has to involve your Judea your Samaria, and your uttermost, and that's kind of like a checkbox to say to every pastor, um, what are we doing to effectively impact all four of those areas? There may be, I mean, larger churches have multiple impacts, but I think every church has to impact their Jerusalem, their Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost in order to fulfill the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. Right? And by the way, um, uh, like, you know, 5,000 miles does not a missionary make. So people, people go, yeah, well, I, I want to go over to Botswana, you know, because I want to share the gospel. Well, Look, if you're not doing it at home, you know, don't view the false visage of just simply going into a different environment where nobody knows you. Um, and that was something that God really did to me. When I, when I recommended my life to Christ, it was like, I was, you know, I was reading in in Romans, how beautiful are the feet. And I was reading in John where Jesus said to his disciples after the feeding of the 5,000, you know, he says, are you ashamed of me? And here's, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, it says many left him. And and Jesus said, look, Jim, you got to go to your friends and those who are closest to you and tell them about the decision you've made and invite them to follow me before you ever go anywhere else. So anyways, um 5000 miles is not a missionary make. Make it happen in the mission field that God's placed you in and then if God wants to, he'll move you out like some place like Kansas for example. Oh my god. <laughs> Weird place <Yeah>. to go.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at time so and I'm looking at the sun so I yeah. know my time is up. But it was really great to be with you guys and uh I hope Amen. to see you again. Yeah,
0: definitely. Amen. Um If anyone listening would like to learn more about Global Training Network, Jim, where could they go? Where could they learn more?
1: Yeah, you can go on our website, which is globaltrainingnetwork.org. And my name is Jim and my wife's name is Terry, Jim and Terry Baugh. You can email me, um, GTN at gmail.com. The other thing, one more parting word, is that I believe every leader needs to invest one third of his time to raise up the next generation of leadership. And so be a multiplier. Don't just go, Hey, this is my gig. And until God calls me somewhere else, your gig is to raise, train, equip leaders and lease them. That's why you guys are doing what you're doing, because that was the model that we had as a church. We, we just, it's, we got to set people free to do what God's called them to do.
2: Yeah, and and in addition to that, you know, the satisfaction that comes with seeing the Lord give you the fruit out of his hand, when you abide with him and you build relationships, you see people come to the Lord, you see him walk with Jesus, there is nothing more satisfying than walking with Jesus and then seeing the product of your walk. Um, Everyone's going to have a different skill set, but if at the end of the day you can passionately pursue people, get rid of your excuses and trust the Holy Spirit to do something great, uh, you'll, you'll never, uh, be f- so full of joy. Um, yeah. I don't gi- like to
1: cut have shoulda, and yeah. throw them all out, you know?
2: Yeah. If, Come on. If the
1: Spirit of God is speaking to you to do something, do it. He'll make a way, um, and just continue to walk that, that, that walk.
2: Amen. Jim, can you pray for our listeners? Just whoever might be listening right now, we have about 150 people and it's increasing every week sure. and that's been fun but would you pray for our listeners that essentially they'd be a disciple and make a disciple?
1: Absolutely. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, for those who have joined the podcast tonight. And I ask you, Lord God, that we would um, just seriously remember the command that you gave. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a command, make disciples, Mm -hmm. who in turn make disciples. And in that way, the world will be one. And we believe we believe exactly what you told us how to win the world and we want to do what you've told us to do. Lord help us. And bless uh bless Dakota and Kyle and this ministry and help them to continue to make disciples themselves until you come for all of us. In Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank love you, love Jim. you much. Love, love you, Jim. Too. It's great to see you. Good to see Terry you. Tell Terry and everybody we said hi.
1: I will. The lights out, so I gotta go. All right. <laughs> all right god bless brother see ya bye-bye
2: oh man wasn't that great man yeah i miss him yeah what a setup too though from the balcony there man that's up in near camp verde
0: yeah for you guys listening can't see um you know he's up in camp verde uh currently in his i guess quarantine uh but it's beautiful (laughs) up there and and you know it's May May and seventies. Uh so in Arizona is always a blessing. Because yeah. down in Phoenix, where uh the area where I'm at, it is not seventies. It is uh, you know, nineties, hundreds, so um beautiful place and and it's just great. I for those or for our listeners, um, you know, Jim Ball was uh the senior pastor of the church that I grew up at that Dakota's grandparents were at and and Dakota was at for a little while um, when he came here for college to Arizona. And so it's just good to see uh, he's Jim Ball has been, uh, he's an amazing preacher. If you ever get a chance to listen to his sermons, uh, very passionate. Uh, I remember when he was younger, uh, man, he just read in the face and sweating the words. Yeah. Just going after it. I mean, he, he, (laughs) he had passion and you knew that he had passion for the Lord. And then, he was at um you know Mesa Baptist Church for for a good time and then he went into the mission field to train pastors around the world and and continue the ministry god uh, has for him and he continues to this day you know i don't you know i don't know any pastors really that retired and and stopped there's no mm-hmm. retiring from ministry until right. you breathe your last breath and then you worship god for eternity so <laughs> it doesn't mm-hmm. end uh, and i and i think that's he's just a good example of somebody who continues to follow the Lord, even when it gets hard, even when there's obstacles, even when there's distances between him and family, um, you know, he, he, you know, sacrifices that time for the Lord and, and he, he continues to be faithful. And, and that's a a testimony I think worth listening to and, and being encouraged by.
2: Yeah. You know, there's been a handful of times, uh, maybe more, you know, in my life where, Jim and I have sat down and had Mexican food and, you know, had a, a good bowl of chips and salsa in front of us and he just poured into me and encouraged me to pursue ministry and uh really always got me back to square one and he said it in the in the interview. Back to square one of what does God want you to do with your life? And oftentimes that doesn't look like a particular message out of the sky. It's actually in Ancient message that's already in God's Word. Follow what Jesus said, and you'll prosper and bear fruit as He's defined it. Um, that was that was pivotal in my life. Jim's always been real close, and uh, you know his. I remember one time, uh, it was the Christmas before I graduated high school, so my senior year, and I remember we came down from Nevada, and we visited Mesa Baptist Church yeah because i I knew I was going to want to move down there after I graduated high school, and I can remember sitting there and listening to his sermon and feeling so convicted in some areas and I was like dang uh he's winning people over to the lord uh but the message continues you don't you know pastors aren't the only ones who do ministry God wants to use you to win people where you're at
0: well I think that's a a huge topic that we've Kind of brought up a couple times, and a topic that I continue to learn and and grow in is that pastors aren't the ministers. Uh, the ministers are the people, are the church. There's no there's no set people. The pastors are there to equip. The pastors are there to teach, um, and to 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 have the rest of the church, the ministers, to go out and make disciples. And so yeah. I think we get Ephesians four. Yeah, I think we get um, we get that mixed up. At least here in America, from what I can see, a lot of times um, we we just we go to church, we sit in pews, um, and and it's just kind of a tradition of sorts, rather than uh, a lifestyle and identity like Jim talked about. Um, And we don't take what is taught and then use it in our life. I mean, that's the point of going to church to gather in fellowship is to be encouraged, to learn, to be equipped, then to go out into the world and make disciples. And, and I think, you know, we need to watch that as, as a church, I, you know, I'm speaking more for America. I I don't know what it's like around the world and I, and Jim's out there teaching people to be pastors, which is amazing in different cultures and countries, but we just need to be careful uh, because if we're not going to church to be equipped, maybe we're going for whatever reason that is um, we're losing out on a lot. And, and, and it's, it could, could be detrimental to, to our lives, to the people around us. You know, I, I did a sermon this last Sunday for, for Mother's Day, you know, and Preacher. really, and really talked about, you know, in, in Deuteronomy chapter six, um, you know, that, you know, loving the Lord with you know, all your heart and all your soul and all your might, and, and then, and then teaching your children diligently, you know, just that, that whole process, you, you have to fill up yourself with Jesus first. You know, yeah. it says in that first verse that I, that I went over it says, Here, O Israel, here yeah. is is the duty that we have to God first, before mm-hmm. all things. And if we're yeah. if we're not fulfilling that duty to God first, um, the rest just doesn't work out, and and we tend to get frustrated and and make mistakes and, and sin enters and it destroys families and it destroys people uh, because we're not putting God first. So, I think yeah. when we as pastors, we need to equip people to put God before all things, to surrender, call Jesus Lord and Savior, and start there. And then from that, we can go and make disciples.
2: You know, there's a book, uh, and, and rarely do I ever attach myself to a ministry book and then say, man, that's like right on par with, if there's one book I could read outside of the Bible, you know, rarely do I really get close to a book. I normally like you know, chew up the meat, spit out the bones, take a few things here and there. But there's a book by J.D. Greer, who's the president of um, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, and he wrote a book called Gaining by Losing. And the whole premise is that when pastors jump into ministry per se, by the way, they're, the word ministry just means service. So if you're a Christian, then you should all be in service. We should all be in ministry. But he put it a great way. He said, you know, when pastors Uh, jump into the posts that they have, really they're getting out of the ministry and they're preparing other people to do ministry. So to an extent, I mean, yes, I need to model that before our people, but on another end, I've gotten out of things to teach others to go. Uh, And that's what we want. I mean, just to speak very personally, less generically, more specifically, if you're listening to this podcast, I want to challenge you with one thing tonight. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that it's impossible to please God except by faith. So here's the next question. If the only way I can please God is by faith, do I actively go to work or go to school or go to my everyday context? Do I arrive at my everyday context with true faith in my heart that says, God, use me. And help me to be courageous and fearless and help me to be confident that the gospel saves. You know, if we haven't been impacted by Jesus, we might grow dull and then we lose out on the ministry that God has right in front of us. What would it look like for God to refresh your faith in the context of your workplace? And when he does, you're going to have new eyes to see people with compassion and love like you never have before. But confess that to him if you're dull. Confess that to him if your everyday work schedule is just to get to the weekend uh, and the people you minister to don't matter to you. or They're in front of you and you're not ministering to them. That's my challenge. Amen. Uh, One of the things
0: I was thinking about uh, when we were talking to Jim about missions, uh, back in the day, uh, Dakota (laughs) and I went on a mission trip uh, together. Zapatos. Yeah, and Dakota mentioned that mission trip. We went to Austria. Beautiful. If you get a chance just to go to Austria, just go there because it's beautiful. Uh, and we we're in Vienna and it's a pretty rich um, place. Mm. I mean, wealthy, um, lots, lots of cool stuff, a lot of history. Um, it was yeah. a fun place to go to. Um,
2: but saw a concentration camp.
0: Yeah. I mean, things that really kind and Yeah. You saw things that, you know, you really had to, that were sobering
2: that, uh, yeah.
0: you know, and, and, and then we met a lot of cool people and. And through that, through that experience, um, you know, I had gone on a couple of mission trips before that. Um, uh, but as as a, you go on these trips, I, I remember my first mission trip. I wasn't prepared at all, and I wasn't really following Christ that much. Um, I was kind of just coming out of high school and you know being a knucklehead. And uh, and but I but I went anyways, and God used used me through that experience. And I went on another one, and then I went on another one. And I think mm-hmm. we you know, Jim talked about, you know, kind of getting out, you know, you got, you don't just want to go somewhere so you don't know anyone so you can share Christ and it's not embarrassing or whatever that feeling you have here when you're talking yeah. to your friends. Um, you know, it is important to to do that here, but, you know, really go out and stretch, um, stretch yourself, get out there and learn and, and get out there and, and go on mission trips and, and, you know, see the world and, and preach the gospel to people and you'll be encouraged. Um, and, and I know every mission trip I've been on, um, I probably learned more than the people that I went and taught Jesus, to be honest, I probably grew more. Um, and, and I didn't go for that reason or for selfishness or anything, but I, but I did, I grew a lot, um, in my walk with Jesus Christ and in my friendships with people like you. I know on that Austria trip, we were, we were challenged in many ways. Um, from oh, a le- man. from a leadership <laughs> standpoint, we were really challenged. <laughs> you know, I was, you know, how old were we? 20, 21. I don't, I don't know. We weren't, we weren't
2: very old. I- and, 19 and 20.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I was I felt like I was put in a situation where I really had to lead a trip in another country that I I wasn't I didn't prepare for that, but I learned so much leadership skills on that trip, how to get people around, how to take take it and just go and and yeah. not and just trusting God. So, there's things that I learned and and I think through the whole experience of going on mission trips and and trusting in God and following the commands of God, you know, you're going to be stretched, you're going to grow, but it's going to be awesome and and there's things i've learned to this day that continue to to help me because of going and sharing the gospel and i don't know the impact um i don't know who came to know christ on the on those trips you know i don't yeah. know that um but but i do know that i was obedient that that yeah. i went because god called me to go and we're all called to go and i know that's yeah. something that people you know i'm not i'm not a missionary i'm not going to go travel the world and and go to all the countries and those sort of things we we are all all you know missionaries. We are all yeah. called to the same, and I, we've and at least in America, really I, are. I feel like we put titles on a lot of stuff that don't really make sense biblically. Like we talked about yeah. ministers. Well, everyone's a minister, right? Everyone's a servant. Right. Uh, missionaries, like you have to have a title yeah. to go do it. We're all have given. A- we've all been given the same mission in Matthew chapter twenty eight. There's yeah. no specific missionaries. Uh, we just yeah. call them that, um, and so we have to kind of get away from those titles only do those things No, all christians do all the things that god has commanded us to do and And that is extremely important to to understand
2: and how about this how about just be a disciple that's what being a disciple is you know like uh there's you know when people say oh they're radical christians and it's like okay in our culture that either means that you're holding up a sign and you're hating people or radical Christian can just mean, man, like you're really living it. And I don't know, like, is do we really need to call that radical? How about we just call that Christian? You know, mm-hmm. when you love Jesus so much, you're willing to say something. In fact, you're burdened when you don't say something. Uh, and not everybody has that gift to speak openly, you know, uh, the speaking gifts as much. Nevertheless, uh, we are all called to be passionate about Jesus. I mean, just a practical question yet again is, am I passionate about something more than Jesus right now in life? If I'm more passionate about something other than Jesus, I'd be willing to bet that it's not that fulfilling. I'd be willing to bet that maybe on a temporary basis, on a transient basis, it's fulfilling. But we're talking about the Jesus who said, anyone who believes in me will have a fountain of living water spring forth from within him. You know, he told the woman at the well, this water you drink, you you know, you're going to get thirsty again. You drink from the water I'll give you, you know, never be thirsty again. I mean, as and we talked about this, Kyle, in the the seven churches, you know, like as Christians, let's do away with a lukewarm attitude. Let's do away with a lack of love. And let's say Jesus right now, you know, I, I see the times. I see what's going on in COVID. I see that there's tons of desperate people all around me and I could become self-preserving or I could put on another lens, a Christian lens, which looks at people, you know, as Jesus said, uh, he grieved for them because he saw them as, as sheep without a shepherd. We need to see that more than ever. People are asking questions. So maybe when you're afraid to bring a, a conversation about Jesus, like, oh, maybe it'd be awkward. No, actually, it might be exactly what they need to hear right now, because they're desperate. They're desperate for the hope of the living God. So say something, invest in people, make disciples and be one.
0: Yeah. And what a testimony is it during specifically this time through uh, COVID-19 as, as Christians. And, and I've spoke about this the other day that, you know, COVID-19 isn't a surprise to God. Uh, mm-hmm. He didn't all of a sudden go, Whoa, I didn't know there was going to be a virus. Uh yeah. God's plan is still God's plan and he's still his promise. This is not yeah. a wrench in the plan. Right. Not a wrench. There's been right. tons of things throughout history just like this that have yep. that have hit humanity uh, and because worse. of sin. But as a Christian, how do we respond? And really that response is I don't fear the virus. If I if I sit around and fear a virus, right? Mm-hmm. Am I am I giving more power to that virus than I am God? Yeah. And and I and I and I thought about that and, and I continue now as a Christian, we can't go out there and be like, you know, being mean to people and be like, I can't believe you fear this virus. Like, you know, yeah. well, it's, and, not and, and, recklessness. Yeah, it's not a reckless. Yes, yeah. it's not. Yeah. But at the same time, I can't fear something of this earth um, uh, more and give more power to something like that. I really have to trust in Jesus and yeah. his plan. And guess what? If his plan is for me to die of a virus that was yeah. his plan. I I I don't get to make the plan and I but yeah. I know where I'm going. No matter right. what happens, I know yeah. where I'm going eternally. I know where my hope lies. And that's yeah. what I encourage people to do our our listeners um to give hope finish to the people race. and finish yeah. the race and don't be scared of of these things in the world that are going to either get you sick or hurt you. The reality is if you've put your hope in Jesus Christ, we should only be concerned with what Jesus Christ is concerned about, which is going and Amen. making disciples. And that's it. And and I Amen. know that's hard to do. We're humans. We're not perfect. We have fears. We go through all yeah. these emotions. I, I understand that. But we can continue to remind ourselves by being in the Word, by praying, by discipling, and that'll continue to be the what's in our hearts at all times as we go out into the world and not be in fear of this and continue to share the gospel and share the love of Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah. You know, maybe a a parting word uh, just to our listeners would be this. When COVID 19 is over, and we could define being over in a number of ways right now because none of us really know what over looks like, but let's just, in a generic sense, say when COVID 19 is over, what will remain for the Lord or what will become as lost? When COVID 19 is over, am I a more passionate Christian? And do others know more about Jesus? Or after COVID-19 is over, do I care more about my hobbies or the mundane things that I decided to do during that time and do less people know? In other words, if after COVID-19, others still don't hear from the church, others still don't hear from Christians, that Jesus matters, that Jesus gives eternal life, if COVID doesn't, COVID-19 doesn't hit them because we did not make it a priority to live for Jesus in this time like we've never lived before, then what will that communicate to the world? Oh, even in the midst of crisis and tragedy, I guess I still don't need your Jesus. What I want more than ever is that we would be even more passionate, more sold out, that we would see our everyday context is our mission field, and we'd be hungry. You know, with those fierce eyes of a lion in the jungle, ready to pounce upon its prey. Imagine that picture of a lion hiding down underneath the brush, just passionately living because that's who he is in, in his identity. As Christians, we have that same eyes, those, that same mentality. Jesus is not dead in the grave, he's alive. And because he's alive, that means you can have a real relationship with him who's alive. He's not a figure. Who's dead in the grave, but you can know him deeply, which means from the overflow of knowing him. As you draw closer to him through this COVID 19 season, listen, the overflow of your intimacy with him will result in others coming to know him. So get right with Jesus as a Christian. Let's let go of our passionlessness, let go of our lukewarmness. Will others find that Jesus matters after COVID 19? Let's rise to the occasion, church.
0: Amen. Amen. And, yep. and as we, um, really come to a close, uh, for our fifth podcast, say hey, we're rocking it. Um, you know, yeah. getting the word Praise out God. there.
2: Thank you, Jesus.
0: Yeah. I- I'm excited about uh, just this ministry. And, uh, and honestly, this ministry comes out of this COVID-19 uh, crisis. It really comes from <laughs> how can I continue to spread the word of God from my house if I have to, And uh, I thought, hey, let's start a podcast and, and just have another avenue to have conversation. A lot of conversation that Dakota and I have, I'm blessed by, and I, and I hope that other people are blessed by it, uh, because, uh, we just want to talk about Jesus because you know, what else is there to talk about? (laughs) Right.
2: And that's the famous quote. Yeah. So ain't nothing better to talk about. Ain't nobody better to talk about.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So please, if you're listeners out there, share, share, share. Please go on Facebook, um, go to our Facebook page, share uh, the episodes when we post them on there onto your page. Uh, let yeah. people know that uh, you're a Christian and here, listen to these guys. They're talking about Jesus. They're talking about discipleship. You know, the stuff mm-hmm. that we talk about, we, we want to keep it in a place that really speaks to all people. And, and I hope that we're doing that. And so please share uh, in any way that you can share our website, www be disciples and just continue to share the gospel. And this is an avenue to do so. Um, we're going to yeah. continue to have guests on our show. Hopefully every other episode is really what we're looking at. Uh, I know that our next guest uh, is going to be Dr. CL Mitchell, and yeah. we are excited about that. And that's going to be um, the last week of May. And so uh so not
2: next week, but the following. Right. right?
0: And, and so yeah. We're, we're, we're excited about that. This, uh, uh, he was a professor. <laughs> uh, he, he is one of the, we spent a time at camp with him. Uh, Dakota spoke at a camp and, and he brought the CL along and yeah. I got to spend a week with him and, uh, yeah. you'll learn more in the hour that you listen to him than you will all year. I feel like I just, Absolutely. he just pours in truth. <laughs> um, he's, he's gifted, uh, by God. Yeah. Um, and, and to, to just have a a memory that captures everything, which allows him to speak truth, which allows him to really talk about, um, you know, things in the Bible and brings them up to things I've never even heard of and, and just how deep he goes. And, and I'm not trying to build him up to be something, you know, greater than, than what we're talking about. He's, it's really a blessing from God, um, a gift that he has, just like we all have different gifts. Um, and we all are need to continue to use those, but he is just a man of God. And I encourage you to listen in, uh, when we have him on, because it'll just be a, it will be a fun conversation. I'm excited about it. And just to, to honest for me to learn, I just want to yeah. talk to him because I get something out of it every single time.
2: Yeah. CL was my Bible interpretation teacher. Many of us at Southwestern have had CL and also he is a, a good friend, a mentor, certainly uh, especially in, in the last year or so. He and I have just been so close. And he was also uh, a professor along with me at Gilbert Christian High School. We taught Bible together. He taught junior systematic theology, which is really cool. He's He is so in-depth in his understanding, but he also understands how to reach different age levels and, and people, and he's very flexible. So I think our listeners yeah. will really enjoy that. And he loves
0: uh, Batman comics i'm just saying oh absolutely um, yeah he's, he's a big fan he again another topic that you probably don't want to battle him on is yep. comic book uh just facts and and history yep. of comics it'll destroy you <laughs> yeah it'll destroy you. again another thing <laughs> but he, he's a he's a fun guy and a very godly man and, and i hope that you join us and and just are blessed by it
2: in the meantime uh to close uh next week we're going to be jumping into the Sermon on the Mount, which was like Jesus's famous sermon on discipleship, actually living as a disciple. So that's uh, Matthew chapters 5, 6, 7. Uh, we obviously will not be finishing that just alone in next week, but that's where that's kind of a launch pad. I, I think that we'll carry on for a few weeks when we're not uh, dealing with a, a guest on the show. So we'll examine Jesus's uh, sermons on discipleship, and we hope you all enjoy it. We'll start in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. All right. Thank you, everybody.
0: Again, share. Uh, We'll see you in episode six, talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And we hope that you have a blessed week. And we pray for you uh, as as you listen. And we just can't wait to continue to interact with you guys. Uh, Please leave comments. Let us know how we're doing. Maybe there's something that you want to hear from us. Throw that on our Facebook page. Uh, um, We would love to hear from you guys. So thank you. See you guys later. God bless. Uh, Have a wonderful week. Peace. Love you guys.